0: NZ Aero Sports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever, so if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best.
1: And we still got that fuck you attitude. (laughs) Rebrand!
0: Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends.
2: I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So I thought I better sew her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, Jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, He pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him, and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by. But Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Hey gang, so I got a new book out. It's called The Upside of Fear, and it's exactly what you think it's about. It's about the good side of, well... Getting Scared. In it, we talk not only about the science and biology behind fear, but the psychology as well. And it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some of the best in the sport. Omar el Jeff Provenzano, Maxine Tate, and so many more have contributed their sometimes terrifying stories to the book to help you overcome your fear. So head to thelunaticfringepodcast dot com. You're gonna find the link to the book there, as well as the other books. It's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook right now. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, back in another Quarantine Can edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. We're going to dive right into it because everybody's bored off our asses. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you guys do?
0: Hi, um, we're the Wild Things. I'm Shannon. um, And we're kind of just best mates. And we (laughs) do a little bit of flying here and there. Um, We attempt to fly some two-way dynamic in the tunnel, but we're kind of new at that. Um, and we go to heaps of boogies and camps around the world and do heaps of fun free-flying.
2: And you said you're the wild things.
0: The wild things. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's quick. kind
1: of our new, um, our new little team we have going on. Like It started that we wanted to do this two-way dynamic team in the tunnel, but now we kind of got a little bit um, thing-scaled in the way.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that does... came
1: in the way, and now we kind of just – started doing all like all other kind of funny stuff so now we do yoga together we all kind of adventur together
2: <laughs> nice nice all right well let's start out with names other than just the team name so who are each of you
0: i um, so I'm Shannon I most of you most of people would know me from working for nz Sports I've been working there in marketing for about 10 years uh, so I'm from New Zealand originally and I live in Australia now um, okay yeah so I work in digital marketing. Um, I used to travel around a lot with canopies, um, demos and stuff for people to try out. And these days, I kind of more just do the boogie circuit and camp circuit free flying for fun. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. And who else we got?
1: Uh, So I'm Louisa. um, And yeah, I'm I'm living in Copenhagen. Not right now. Right now, I'm stranded in Australia. (laughs) Um, But normally, I live in Copenhagen. I'm studying in Copenhagen. Um, but also skydiving at the same time, trying to live the best of both worlds, like keeping up with studies, but trying to be as much part of the skydiving scene at the same time.
2: That's um, pretty damn challenging, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It is pretty challenging. Like, And I've definitely now been studying for five years, so I'm definitely starting to be a little bit exhausted in the studying. So it takes quite a bit of uh, strength to have to, like, I really have to finish my degree and not, like, just jump way back into the skydiving again. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get the best out of the world at the moment. Well, now
2: I what's... just
0: finished
1: exams. Yeah, I finished exams a few days ago, so now I'm, like... <laughs> Time to <laughs> relax
2: a, a little bit. <laughs> now, uh, what's the degree in?
1: Uh, so, I'm studying pharmaceutical design and engineering.
2: Oh, uh, pharma- um... okay. So, pharmaceutical... <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, at some point, I will be an engineer in designing pharmaceuticals. Uh, I have half a year left. I just need to write my master thesis now, and then I'm pretty much done.
2: Okay. So, when you say designing pharmaceuticals, are you talking like chemically designing them or making them pretty and appealing?
0: She <laughs> <laughs> can make <laughs> drugs. Yeah,
2: you're gonna make drugs. So you're gonna be really popular on the drop zone when you get back into jumping <laughs> hardcore.
1: but yeah, designing them chemically. Um, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, yeah, (laughs) it's always safe to ask, right? (laughs) So, so you're both uh, in Australia and obviously you're both kind of dealing with the quarantine the way the rest of us are trying to keep busy and entertained because you said off mic that the the drop zones there are not open yet. Um, So you're kind of back to life before jumping, but how did you guys get into skydiving in the first place?
0: um so mine was kind of the age-old tale of doing a tandem um i did my first tandem i think when i was 19 or 20 in queenstown in new zealand with a bunch of friends um, and loved it from the get-go like the guys that took us there we hung out the whole day it was bad weather before we got to jump that afternoon made friends with the tandem masters camera flies still my really good friends now um, most of them and yeah a few months later um i was studying at the time Few months later, went up to write a journalism piece um, for my university degree on a bunch of skydivers jumping at the military air force base there who were doing um, tandem jumps with kids affected by cancer, hmm. and met all the people in the scene um, that were doing AFF, and ended up signing up for a static line course at that military base. Oh wow! So that was a very weird introduction to skydiving. It was only ten years ago, but the photos seriously look like it's out of the 1950s and static line. <laughs>
2: yeah, <right. laughs> And Luisa, how did you get started? Uh,
1: So I was kind of born into it a little bit. So both my mom and dad are in the skydiving industry. Oh, wow. Um, So I remember when I was a kid and you get to that age where you start being curious and like they ask in school, so what does your parents do for work? And I kind of started getting interested in what, like try to understand what they were actually doing. So both my mom and dad works for Larson and Bruce Scott making altimeters. Okay. Um, and yeah, of course, I started to get interested into this world, like what what the skydiving world was about um so when i I think I was twelve or thirteen, then I got my first tandem oh wow, and and got totally like i would I just loved it um and I remember seeing some freestyle videos, and I was like oh that's just that's exactly what I want to do um so when I was 14, I think my, I went and started flying in the tunnel a little bit. Okay. Um, and then when I turned 16, I started my EFF in Ampuria brother, and did like, I think like 40 jumps the first week of my <laughs> skydiving life, <Jeez. laughs> just uh, on and on. And yeah, I got like right right into the skydiving world.
2: I mean, that's kind of the daydream for every skydiver out there is wishing we would have been able to start, you know, as kids and especially with the tunnels that are around nowadays. They didn't have stuff like that for old fuckers like me. I didn't have the opportunity, to, you know, to go play in a tunnel or do anything like that. I, I think and I've said it many times, I think my biggest regret in skydiving was only that I didn't start much earlier in life. So how cool is that that you knew you wanted to get into it that young?
1: yeah and i'm I'm super grateful for my my especially my my parents helping me with this that they knew about the world and instead of I could feel that my dad he wanted me to give me the best introduction to the sport uh, instead of like holding me back or anything he'd kind of just really help me getting a good um, education in the sport and getting a lot of coaching from the start to be safe. Which is awesome. I
2: mean, I would think, I I would think parents would take it one of two ways, um, which is either I want my kid nowhere near this sport or they're in it. And I want (laughs) them to have the best. That was your parents.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Now, So you went out and you made that first tandem in New Zealand, where it's very popular. I mean, everybody knows that New Zealand is this epic place to go jump. So they probably weren't shocked that you made a jump, but apparently they weren't happy that you continued.
0: No, so New Zealand is a funny place for jumping. It's getting a lot better now, but it's really well known around the world for adventure sports, tourism, and tandem jumping. And we have a lot of great tandem drop zones, very professional, very safe, um, really nice places for people to go and do tandems. Um, But especially back then, 10 years ago, the sport was kind of in a slow spot. And there really wasn't many people learning anymore or coming back through the ranks. It was very tandem orientated. So, it like, my parents didn't even know it was a sport, neither did I. None <laughs> of us recognized this as a real sport. It was just something you did once in your life. So the fact that I wanted to do it more than that once was quite shocking to them. And that they, they kept kind of not understanding. They kept thinking it for years, actually. They thought it was just a fad that I'd grow out of, that you couldn't really go anywhere with this sport. But I think it was just a, a lack of understanding, um, you know, that there was competitions, that there was different disciplines, that there was more than just falling through the sure. sky yeah so there's a bit of a disconnect there um and it was also very slow in new zealand you know i did it over winter which in auckland is a bit rainy and cloudy i think it took me six months to finish my static line like okay. five jumps you know? <laughs> and i was there every weekend and every wednesday and thursday You know, yeah. like it it's still for six months <laughs> so yeah it's, it's definitely come a long way there's some really nice flies coming out of new zealand now and they got their first little tunnel there a few years ago in queenstown um, so that's nice
2: to see that progress. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny that you say your, your parents got pretty upset when you wanted to continue jumping. I was lucky enough to spend a season jumping for ballistic blondes out of the Bay of Islands in Paihia and in Whangarei. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I had a great time doing all that. But when you say your uh, your Kiwi parents got very upset, to me that registers as they were mildly irritated. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I
0: feel like, like, My mom's just, you know protective, like all moms are. It wasn't like the, the biggest deal, but it was definitely something they thought I was just going to stop. But no, they, they weren't mad. Like, I don't know if Kiwis really get old that mad. No, I, about I
2: mean, I think the <laughs> angriest I've ever seen a Kiwi is he lifted his eyebrow up at something that annoyed him. That was it. They're the most mellow, nice people, which is one of the things that caught me off guard. Of course, in skydiving is you go to someplace like uh, New Zealand and you're used to this crazy screaming over the top atmosphere at drop zones and there it's so mellow
0: <laughs> yeah it's really chilled <laughs> yeah yeah no same worries. as australia australia's like that as well super cruisy um really nice scene here friendly people now,
2: awesome. how'd you end up uh well first off how'd you end up getting started uh, um working for nz aerosports because i mean that's kind of like the gold standard for a lot of people <laughs>
0: <laughs> well this was my, my university was kind of the ticket into all of this stuff you know how i said about doing the um the air force article and stuff and then when i was doing my static line at the air force base that's where the test jumpers from aerosports and gyro used to come out every Wednesday to test jump their canopies leading up to um, the development of Petra. Mm. So it was called the Summer of Love. That was kind of what we ended up naming this summer. And I was like the one lonely student at the drop zone, hanging out, listening to every word, headed back into the city with them every night for debriefing cocktails at the factory, <laughs> got to know them really well. Um, and they just started a Facebook page, but you know, all the guys were you know 40 plus at the time and they had no idea how to work Facebook. So they asked me if I could, making some posts for them and doing some some writing and some pictures and everything so that's kind of how it started and i was just doing an hour here and there and then i kept ditching my university and my other job to spend full eight hour days there and somehow it just turned into a job and now it's 10 years later
2: (laughs) now the real question is what do mom and dad think of that because you basically did what a lot of people have done which is fuck off university to take up a life in skydiving
0: no, no, I graduated. I graduated you did. Um, with okay, honors, yeah. <laughs> and I work in marketing, which is semi-related to um, to my degree. I did a um, a journalism and advertising degree, so I definitely use all of those skills every day in my job it just happened to also be skydive related I did manage to graduate it was a struggle but Shannon
1: is my biggest inspiration I need to graduate too
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes 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 yeah for sure because I'd say uh, 75 percent of the the college student turned skydivers don't ever (laughs) don't ever graduate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or or many of them get those degrees and put them to absolutely no use because they were going in for something completely unrelated to the job they end up doing in skydiving.
0: <laughs> totally.
2: Well, and although, Louisa, yours is going to crisscross back and forth anyway, even if you get a degree in chemical engineering for... <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's not quite the golden era of partying and skydiving anymore, but there was a time when that would have been your full-time gig for sure.
0: I feel like we've switched the rock and roll culture to like a kombucha and yoga culture. Yeah. Definitely in Australia, the camps are very yeah. heavy in that.
2: It has, hasn't it? I mean, it's always been kind of the hippie set. You know, I mean, uh, uh, dirty feet and, and uh, um, you know, drum circles and shit like that. But uh, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, at least from my perspective, and granted my perspective, perspective, as I've been in it a while now, uh, the party scene seems to have not died off, but uh, definitely changed into something a little bit more mellow. So how'd you end up in Australia if you were working with NZ Aerosports in New Zealand?
0: <laughs> I was kind of just chasing the dream. Um, there was There's just not lots of um, camps and boogies and events happening in New Zealand. As I said, it's really progressing now, and there is a lot of really cool stuff happening with Um, For example, skydiving Kiwis down in the South Island with Lee and Sophie and um, Hayden at the skydiving school up at Skydive Auckland. Um, The Ballistic Blondes used to be awesome to fund Mm. them up there. So there's definitely cool stuff happening, um, but it's still a little slower than the rest of the world. There's there's not a lot of tunnels yet. And I just wanted to um, be able to push forward and grow in a skydiving scene. And I was finding myself living in New Zealand, but traveling to Australia five, six, eight times a year to do events and started realizing that that just wasn't economically smart. I was doing Europe summers already, so I was spending less and less time in New Zealand and lots of money traveling back there. Um, So I decided to make the move to Australia and Jai nicely offered for me to be able to work remotely um, because I kind of handed my notice and he was like, well, we don't want you to leave. Can you just keep working from your Mm. computer? Um, So that was four years ago now, and so that's now what I do. I live summers here in Australia, and I generally head to Europe for three or four months in the summer, except this summer because Corona decided that we'd be here.
2: Well, that's awesome, though. And I mean, what a great way to end up there. I mean, I I know exactly what you mean simply from the time that I spent working with Ballistic Blondes, because as a tandem instructor, it was heaven. I had very slow weekdays, basically sitting on the beach waiting for walk up customers. Uh, Weekends would be a little bit busier, uh, but I spent most of my days just being a beach bum, which was amazing. Um, But if I was a fun jumper, you'd go nuts, because especially with, (laughs) with, with the blondes in the Bay of Islands, it was a 30 minute van ride to the airport for a 30 minute airplane ride to jump onto the beach. So (laughs) not a great fun jumper model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and especially considering you'd only put one fun jumper at a time in the 182 we were flying. Not a lot <laughs> happening on solos every time. Oh, I'm looking
1: to be old. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Now, Luisa, you, you started out in the sport and you started jumping in the sport, so obviously your your dad wanted to aim you in the right direction and make sure that you were learning all the good stuff. When did you know, I really want to get into this? I want to be jumping my ass off.
1: Um. That was like pretty much from day one when I did my, my AFF, I, I just really, I really got into the free fly scene. Uh, I just loved the feeling of like, I always, I always wanted to find a sport where I could use my body, like in gymnastics and stuff like that, but kind of never really found the perfect sport for me Mm. until I found skydiving. And I realized this is exactly the type of body awareness, body movement I'm looking for. Um, but this was at the same time that I was in high school. So that was a little bit complicated. Like I kind of had to promise my parents like, okay, I'll finish high school. Um, <laughs> they, they like, like, they're going to help me start skydiving and of course help because as a student, like, like, I, there's no way I could afford, um, getting into skydiving without their support. Sure. So we kind of made that deal of like, yeah, I have to finish high school. I have to do well in high school and then they can help me do the skydiving life at the same time. Um, but yeah, I was pretty much into it from, day one like also because I kind of started in the tunnel a few years before the AFF and already there I just I just loved the flying and sure and then the skydiving showed me this skydiving community which was like I just everyone was having opening arms to me when I got into the skydiving world and I just felt like it was a perfect place for me to be and I still feel like that that's like 10 years later today and I still have the exact same feeling about the skydiving community and the skydiving life that it's still like some of the best place to be. (laughs) Oh yeah.
2: I mean, I could, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've got a, a, probably a couch in almost every country in the world that I can go flop on, you know, just from (laughs) friends and acquaintances in the sport, which where else do you get that? I mean, that's ridiculous.
1: Exactly. To me, it's, it's like, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a sport for me. It's my life. That's how I feel like my whole life kind of actually just grew around skydiving and skydiving is such a big part of who I am today. Um, so I could not imagine myself without that <laughs> that in my life.
2: Now, do your parents, uh, are they active jumpers or were they ever active jumpers?
1: Um, yeah. So both my mom and dad were active jumpers. Um, I think my dad stopped when I was like three, four years old. Okay. Um, okay. And then when I started skydiving, he started skydiving again. Nice. Um, so we actually have a few jumps together, which is awesome. <laughs> I remember we have a jump where I'm doing my some of my first head up jumps and he's filming me he's laying on his belly filming me <laughs> um, that's pretty special to do that with your dad
2: sure.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, and then then I think he stopped maybe last year something like that he's not so he's not jumping anymore okay no, it's only me jumping
2: <laughs> <laughs> just you know and, and just, I mean, yeah and uh, what about mom did was mom not a terribly active jumper
1: um I think she not sure how many jumps she has, but yeah, she, she, uh, that was before I was born that she was an active jumper. Um, she's done uh, quite a few tandems here and there now after I started jumping. I actually did that. She did a tandem in Dubai when I was laying next to her, Oh, nice. um, over the palm. That was a pretty special experience.
2: It had to be. Well, anytime <laughs> you get to do something like that, I took uh, I shot video for my mom's first tandem. God, I think I was two years in the sport. Um, and then, uh, um, many, many, many years later, in fact, I think two years ago, I uh, rolled out the door and watched my dad do his first ever tandem, which was really cool.
0: Not, oh, that's super cool.
2: Yeah. Something I swore he was never going to do. I didn't ever think he'd do it. <laughs> and he shocked me by asking if he could go make a tandem. So it was awesome.
0: It, Maybe there's hope for my mom yet. Yeah. Uh, had, mom, now, ha- have, either of, have
2: either of your parents jumped?
0: No, neither of mine have. My I have a twin sister, and she's done two. She she was part of the group of friends that we did the original tandem together, and she's done one since I was a jumper. I was actually meant to film her. A friend of mine took her on the tandem, but I was on the jump before as well, and we got out in a hailstorm and landed like five paddocks away and didn't make it back in time for the oh. jump. <laughs> oh no. So yeah, she wasn't too impressed at
2: that, but Yeah, that, that can happen. I I tell you what, that's one of my biggest memories with New Zealand is a bad spot can get really interesting really quick. <laughs> yeah. There's I mean there's outs everywhere, but there's outs fucking five hills over and you never <laughs> at least where I was yeah, jumping. Exactly. You know, uh, And we
0: yeah. jump into funny weather as well over there. Yes.
2: Yes, yes. Well, you know what threw me off more than anything with New Zealand was the uh, no age restriction for tandems. Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah, a lot of the um, like tandem masters, kids and stuff have been really young. Oh yeah, um, they love
2: it, though. You know, as a as an American tandem instructor, I had real mixed feelings on that. The first time I took anybody under eighteen was in Fangare at the drop zone that Ballistic Blondes had there, uh, and it was oh, a, wow. it was a four year old.
0: Oh. Oh, that's really young. Yeah. Normally, it's drops on kids if it's that young, but there are a few exceptions. It was
2: <laughs> it, this one. I, I was super uncomfortable, and it was uh, uh, the father of a a large group of kids. I think four or five kids, and he wanted everybody to jump. And the four-year-old would have been just as happy sitting in the dirt playing with his little cars, um, but dad was insistent that this kid had to go. And the kid basically had no reaction to the whole thing at all. I was freaking the <laughs> oh. fuck out. Because Aww. I had somebody's four-year-old strapped to me, so I, th- I spent the whole free wow. holding on to the kid. But Aww. I had to turn around and take his nine-year-old sister on a tandem next, and I'm pretty sure she's traumatized for life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've done irreparable damage to that poor kid, because she was so <laughs> fucking freaked out. She couldn't speak. She just shook for like 20 minutes after the jump. So I was horrified.
0: Formed her into a shredder. Maybe now she's like some crazy extreme sports athlete. She could be. (laughs) Just like got her over that fear early. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That's my hope. (laughs) I I actually actively tried to talk the dad out of it. I'm like, I really don't think she wants to go. But dad was having none of it. He wanted her to jump. So, oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was kind of freaky. I'm I'm personally not a big fan of the younger kids like that going. I think at least past 10 or 12 would be okay, but 4 mm-hmm. and 4 and 9 a little too young for me. <laughs> so now um you guys um uh, Luisa, I know you're doing Project 19, correct? Yes,
0: that's are, correct.
2: <laughs> so uh, are both of you in Project 19?
0: Um yeah, well we we were both signed up to go to the um Abu Dhabi camp which was meant to be soon and then June June. yeah and then the actual record at the end of the year but now it's all shifted yeah I'm I'm guessing I'll go as well um it had been a little bit difficult to get to some warm-up camps but I've been talking to Amy and Sarah and the plan was for me to Mm. um go and attend on the bench and work my way up from there since I couldn't get to a warm-up um so we'll see we'll see how what the future (laughs) holds because now we don't know how many more warm-ups there'll be and where we're, when we'll be able to get back there.
2: Sure, and, sure. Well, I mean, yeah, I aim
0: being COVID's <laughs> definitely
2: put everything on hold. But I've actually talked to a couple of people that are involved in Project 19, but I've never really asked how that particular project got started. Do you guys know the history of it all?
1: No. I, so I don't know too much about it, and I kind of just got on it um, – That was like late last year that I started to be involved, um, but I haven't been that much involved in it. Um, Now I'm just training personally to get ready for the record, for my own skills to be there. Sure. But for the whole Project 19 camp, I don't know too much about it.
2: Okay. All right. Well, it's something for future podcasts. I'll keep digging. Now, For
1: sure. (laughs) I do know that it
2: involves pretty much every badass female skydiver on the planet.
1: Exactly. Which, that's, that's the cool yeah, part about, about it. Oh,
2: yeah. it oh yeah it's just awesome it really is an incredible field of people and i mean every single time another name comes up you're like yep yep absolutely it's gonna be an. Incredible and already
1: place. now you, you can feel like the community behind it and it's just like how many ladies here that are supporting each other and making all these camps it's just that's the let like, that it's so incredible to be part of this now it's such a cool power it's such a cool energy that they are creating these ladies absolutely um so yeah well that's really, it's, it's been really interesting to follow
2: <laughs> i've had uh, uh, cornelia mihai and olga namova on a couple of times on the podcast and talked to i just had Kashiki on um all these amazing female athletes and one of the coolest things at least in my opinion about modern skydiving today is there's really no separation between male and female in this sport because it's not needed Uh, And they always used to have this separation between men and women because everybody thought that's how it should be. But skydiving is a sport where a woman can kick a man's ass just like that. (laughs) You know, because it's
0: a really cool thing how it's mixed and and how we get to Mm. do that. I think, I think that's nicer. I personally love mixed events and especially events that encourage um, the guys and girls to work together and to, you know, guys to look into how to coaching girls differently and how to make girls feel comfortable. Sure. Um, Cause I think that's a really big part of the sport as well, is that I think sometimes through these kind of gender roles in society that we grow up with, sometimes there is a little bit of like uncomfortability for girls coming into the sport. Um, and that's why it's so cool that there's so many girls events being run where where the girls feel really comfortable. But it's also really nice to include that with mix to get comfortable mm-hmm. in that environment and understand how, you know, women can learn differently. Um, and it's really cool to have some really high-level woman coaches these days, you know, in the tunnel. Um, Inca has been a really good influence and teacher for me. Mm. Um, and I remember it was just so cool, like, when my body was doing something, and sometimes the guys would be like, oh, you just do this. And I'd be looking at them going, but you're six foot three <laughs> and and, like, tall and thin, and my body doesn't look like yours. And if the fighter jet t- tried to do the same thing as, like... An A380, it wouldn't have the same reaction. Like, right. how if I do exactly what you do, it's not gonna happen. And I think it's been so valuable lately with so many um, high level women coaches mm. these, um, these days the Joy Riders. Um, I mean, there's so many more, there's so mm. many great women coaches these days. It's awesome to see.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's and it's finally to the point where, um, especially if you're, and I would imagine if you're a younger woman coming into the sport, it's still a bit of a boys' club. To, to if you're looking on the surface, it's mostly a bunch of bravado guys storming around doing their thing. <laughs> I, mean, I think everybody can admit that. But nowadays, you've got so many badass women that are doing as much, if not more, than their male counterparts. Uh, I don't think this sport would be nearly as intimidating for a woman coming in off the street, not really knowing what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's becoming way less intimidating.
1: Yeah. And I see me and Shannon also quite often have these talks about like how we actually also feel that. We've both been supported a lot by um, the boys in the sport as well. I don't think we've ever felt, a, what's the word, intimidated?
0: Yeah, intimidated um, or marginalized. It's or... actually
1: always been, like, the perfect balance for us. In um, I, Like, I, I just love this mix that we have of men and women in the sport. And I feel there's a lot of... Um, power from both the men supporting the ladies in the sport and I'm sure there's going to be so many men supporting this Project 19. They're going to oh, yeah. be cheering for us and they're and I really like this balance of having um, I just think it's a really great balance that we have in the sport with the support from both both
2: men and women. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the other cool thing too is at least towards the general public, a skydiver is a skydiver in my eyes. You know, any accomplishment that a group of skydivers, male or female, accomplishes is something that Mm -hmm. I just, by being a skydiver, get to take some pride in, which is cool as hell. Yeah,
0: exactly. I love Cornelia puts it in one way. She said a few times to me about like, you know, when we've done bios for her for work as an athlete and everything, you know, women's world record this and she'll be like, yeah, but I'm going for the, for the normal record. You know, I don't want to just be the women's champion and the women's world record. She's like, I'm a skydiver. I'm going to get the world <laughs> record. You exactly. Know? She doesn't want to differentiate. Um, and I love that. I think that's an awesome attitude that like, you know, it's not enough to be just the best out of one group or to split that between male and female, but like we're all in it together. So to be the best at something or to be competing in something is against everyone. That's a really nice um equal um, and kind of competitive thing to do and Mm. I really like that
2: spirit oh yeah no she's a super hard charger when it comes to that when I had her on the show (laughs) uh, she was very much I hope they don't ever separate male and female there's no reason you know if I win I want to win as a skydiver not as a female skydiver Uh, I was actually just out to wake surfing the other day with her as a matter of fact and again same thing hard charging fuck this I want to get this (laughs) done trying to get in there over and over and over again and she's just a badass. And that's not a, yeah. a male or female trait. That's just a, a badass trait. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah.
2: So now mm-hmm. this this team that you guys have formed, uh, um what's the team? What's the goal? Where do you want to go with it?
1: Um the goal is pretty much just good vibes. We just want to <laughs> just want to <laughs> spread good vibes, spread good energy. Um of course do skydiving, tunnel flying, yoga, um everything that just involves Uh, having fun and living the good life.
0: (laughs) Spreading the good life. (laughs) We've both kind of been searching for this for a while, I think, in skydiving. And we have this funny thing we say we've been living parallel lives because we started skydiving around the same time. There's a little bit of an age difference. So I was twenty one and Louisa was sixteen when he started skydiving opposite Mm. sides of the world. Right. But you know, about the same year. Um we also rode horses before we started skydiving. Um For about the same years for that as well and both quit when we started skydiving um there's been lots of other things we've bumped into each other you know for the last eight or nine years at events been in similar groups at at fly for life and anger weeks and all sorts of stuff and both kind of been looking for someone to do a team with and done lots of teams over the years had lots of fun with that but never really found something that clicked long term and then last summer we kind of um, we were at at anger week together and traveling together for the summer to boogies and realized that we both had really similar goals and um, similar values and we were really into um, similar things when it came to health and lifestyle and travel um, and that our timelines matched up really well to kind of start doing this team together and I think that was a really nice clicking moment for us and it's not just about the skydiving I mean we really do have goals to to fly in the tunnel and We've got a lot of time booked at fly spots, so when we can get back to Europe, we will be flying (laughs) Lots of time. (laughs) Um, So we will be training and and aiming to go to some competitions with it. But, yeah, I think the most important thing for us is the people we meet along the way. And, you know, it's really nice right now. We haven't lost that connection. So pretty much every day we have either yoga or acro training with Inka and Aga. Um, and a bunch of freestyle ladies and guys, which was really cool. That a nice. bunch of the guys are in Indian as well. Um, to train every day, working on yoga for freestyle and yoga for tunnel flying. And there's this really nice community feel of just um, yeah, having positive energy and positive vibes and sharing knowledge. Sure. And I think that's kind of more why both of us are in it, not Ooh, and- necessarily with. Some- goal <laughs> especially something
2: something like yoga ties in so well to uh freestyle and, and free flying because it requires such body awareness not just in regular yoga but in acro especially uh,
0: in Yeah, is such a big thing I, I think with flying that's what fascinates us as well that progression of um how you can move and bend your body how the wind responds um And that constant, you're never there. There's never one point where you're like, okay, I've made it. I can do that. I can do everything. It's like you get where you want it to be and then there's, you know, 10 more steps ahead. Sure. And that's very similar in yoga and stuff like that as well. It's like, you know, it's not about the finished pose or whatever you're working towards. It's about this whole journey with all those multiple things that you learn on the way.
2: Sure. No, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I had the opportunity to do acro with you, Louisa. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that was some
1: of my first uh, acro yoga sessions, and I remember that was pretty. It was some pretty good sessions.
2: (laughs) That was on the lawn in Changgu in Bali. That was cool as hell. I still remember that. It was a lot of fun because one of our mutual friends was in the background playing the ukulele as we're working on Mm acro. And
1: oh, Um... (laughs) exactly. That was actually what introduced me to acro yoga, and now I'm super into
2: it. (laughs) See, look at that. Something else I can accidentally take credit for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with with the blending of all these different things that you guys are putting into the team, um, is there a specific type of competing uh, tunnel-wise? Are you aiming more towards that? Are you aiming more towards the sky? Or is it not even really a competition thing, but just a, a spread and the love kind of thing?
1: Um, so for now, I think we're really into the tunnel flying. Uh, we already did a few competitions in two-way dynamic um, in the intermediate dive pool. So that's a little bit more simple dive pool Than the more advanced one. Um, And that's, I think that's kind of our goal for now to really get good as a two way dynamic team.
2: Um, And that's not not an easy discipline. I mean, holy (laughs) shit, that's
1: tough.
0: (laughs) No, but we've got this. (laughs) (laughs) We have lots of good coaches and lots of good um, support. So, yeah, at the moment, we've, as soon as we can, obviously fly Mm -hmm. again. Our goal is to um, work on learning. The few moves of the open dive pool that we can't do well yet, like the um, head down three sixties and some of the mm. more complicated And also to ones. build a free routine that's also gonna take exactly. you a little bit. we're yeah. really looking yeah. forward to because we can, like that kind of combines all of our loves of the yeah. yoga and the acro and the flying into one to make something really cool. But um yeah, it's definitely gonna take some mm. work to get competition ready with that one. But we're willing to put the work in.
2: <laughs> you know, and, and I have very limited knowledge of how everything in the tunnel works, but the dynamic is the slightly slower airspeed, but much more um, over the top movements. Yes?
0: Well, these days it's actually high wind speed. Like a lot of the really top teams are, are flying on really high wind speeds, up to really? like 100% things. Um, maybe the free routine's a bit less. Um, I don't feel like I'm quite at the level to be able to speak on what the um, high-level teams do. But, yeah, I wouldn't call it low-speed flying anymore with the dynamic. I think it's mostly done on higher speeds. Um, but it's when you, you fly um, three pages of three moves, um, yeah, so three times. And then it's – so you do speed rounds based on the, um, how fast you can do the rounds. And then there's one free routine that you do, which is like a – yeah, one that you design yourself.
2: now, So how do you guys, especially trying to work through, granted you work remotely, which must make life much easier when you're doing stuff like this, Mm -hmm. especially because it's in the sport. But Louisa, (laughs) with you going to school and everything, tunnel flying, well, skydiving, anything air sports wise, this shit is not cheap. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. how do you manage, how do you handle the travel and the tunnel time and the jumping and all that and still go to school and do all this? I mean, that sounds insane to me.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely getting a lot of support from my family, mm. um, especially, um, yeah, they're helping with me with all the expenses because as a student, there's no, like, I can't afford the skydiving life right. that I'm living right now. Um, I'm still, I have a job as well next to my uh, university, which is related to what I study. Um, so, but that's not, it's not enough to actually make me live the skydiving life that I live now. Mm. Um, so yeah right now I'm just really grateful for the support from my parents helping me in this world
2: (laughs) so you just uh, uh, say that you found alternate sponsorship yeah (laughs) (laughs) be a much better way than saying that yeah alternate sponsorship is taking care of that stuff so now (laughs) you're about to to go through your finals and then you've graduated
1: yeah, so I'm going to start writing my master thesis in August, and that's going to be half a year into a specific research project, and then I should be done by February 2021. And then I'm a pharmaceutical engineer, <laughs> then I'm done. All right, <laughs> and so, uh, now, and <laughs>
2: yeah. so now that's the question, is you become, uh, you finish all this, you get out of school, and are you just going to go jump for fun and a living now, or are you going to actually pursue a career in, in, your, in your chosen field? <laughs>
1: So right now, I don't really know exactly what I will be doing after when I'm done with my degree. Uh, one thing is sure that I'm su- still super interested in what I'm studying. I love I love to study the body and health and everything. And so anything, I would love to get into something that can help us understand how to prevent uh, the use of medicine in later life or diseases and so on. Sure. Um, because that's also a big part of my degree is one thing is to design medicine but it's also to understand why what 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 leads us to this need of medicine at some point in life um so i hope that i can somehow turn my degree into yeah something like how we can live a healthier lifestyle how we can prevent um all sort of disorders later in life Nice. So I don't know exactly where I'm going to go with my degree. I, I still feel like I'm I'm 25 now and I feel like I still have some years to go out and do stuff and explore, <laughs> travel and I'm always, I like to see life in like different chapters and I feel like this university chapter has been super interesting and I love what I'm studying and I'm super passionate about it, but I do feel like I kind of need a little bit of a different chapter now sure. after this degree. Um, what's that going to
2: be? I have no idea yet. <laughs> well, and, and what a bizarre time, uh, to be going through all of this as well. Cause you're going through a major transition in life as everybody does around that age where you're kind of going from the stuff that you get to do as being a kid and then figuring out how you want to transition into whatever being an adult means. Uh, but now mm-hmm. <laughs> with this Corona shit, that's just jumped on top of everybody. I don't see us coming out the backside of this living the same life we did just three, four months ago. You know, I mean, things are gonna change and have changed dramatically. so it'll uh, it'll be a really interesting time to see where this all morphs into now.
0: Mm. yeah, we I think we've been struggling a little bit with not being able to make plans um because our lives both revolve so heavily around um, traveling and booking flights and booking mm-hmm. events. You know, we had probably you know, 15 events lined up in <laughs> Europe this summer that are all canceled. And so it took a little bit of adjustment for our minds to go, okay, now we just plan day to day and it's not about planning what's happening in six months and it's not even worth thinking about or worrying about it, but it's just like, cool, this week we're going to do these five things and and planning in, in a, a different type of adventure and trying to make the most of that just to prevent kind of the anxiety of, not being able to live the, that, those normal lives that we've sure. had and not being able to plan for the future. But I think for the most part, we've stayed really positive about yeah. it. And I feel like
1: we've been really good in finding
0: activities to do
1: here right now and yeah. not be that dependent on the traveling life, but realize that we can actually have fun here in the house with the ukuleles and right. uh, <laughs> just do yoga three times a day.
0: <laughs> we've also been very fortunate. Like I have to admit, we've been super fortunate. You know, I still um, have a job, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people probably don't in this time, um, you know, Louisa's university became online and remote so she could do it from here. Um, we're in a really nice place. We're at my house in the gold coast where I live with friends. Um, we're in a really safe country that has, um, great healthcare and we've been able to go outdoors and go to the ocean pretty much through the whole thing except for mm-hmm. our two weeks of quarantine. Right. And so we've been really, really lucky and fortunate to keep that connection to the outdoors. And that's been really influential in keeping, you know, those positive vibes and energy alive in us. So and I know also, that a lot of people are struggling and we've yeah. been very lucky. And also
1: just the part that we are so lucky that we've kind of been quarantined together, like me and Shannon as <laughs> as best friends. is pretty much that's been, that's pretty lucky for us that we sure. could have
0: this time together. And because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely have the chance to be lonely, which is nice. You know, it's. And we've had lots of nice online connections as people. Um, yeah, it's, it's super lucky that we're here. We've been able to do heaps of team stuff that we kind of never would have taken time off jumping mm-hmm. to, you know, just talk about other things that we want to do and make plans. And now we've kind of had all of the time in the world to do that. Right.
2: Yeah. It's definitely forced people to reassess a lot of things for sure. I mean, because I I like a lot of people uh, before this all happened yearned for the day when I could just take a week and flop on the couch and watch Netflix and be a complete (laughs) bum. And now it's the worst fucking thing ever. (laughs) And it's. Yeah.
0: And both of us talk so much about, Um, about how we wanted to get our bodies ready for this team like physically for the tunnel and treating this like a sport and we talked a lot about what we wanted to do with yoga and acro and to be honest like we were so busy with work and study um, and flying that we never managed to fit that in and now it's like we've kind of been it's been forced on us and it's been nice to put to prioritize that and really it's kind of like a different goal
2: and um it's funny how i see it hit different people different ways because for you guys it motivated you to do a lot of that stuff but for a lot of my friends this has been very demotivating and they're having a tough time even doing the home workouts that they can do because they're just too busy sitting on the couch watching the next thing that um, comes on netflix or i mean uh, i am one of many of my friends that have decided to take a break from drinking because holy shit you can get through a lot of wine in a corn
0: <laughs> I think that's where we come in for being lucky with having each other as well, because it probably we would have been more likely to be like that if we were alone. Sure. But with the two of us, it's like mm-hmm. one person gets up and decides to do yoga, it's like the other one does too, you yeah. know? Like it's um
1: It's almost like we've been more busy during this time than in our normal <laughs> life. <because laughs> we both have work and studies. So we kind of still have everything normal. Um, And then we just top it up with all the activities that we're trying to fit in at the same time. (laughs) I'm actually really grateful that I I can't even say that I passed my exams yet, so I shouldn't say that.
0: (laughs) But I hope I did. It was the most comfortable exam setting ever. She's like up in my room with like the diffuser on and crystals Mm -hmm. and plants. (laughs) I was very relaxed relaxed
1: about those exams. Never been that relaxed in all the five years of my studies before. So I'm not sure that's a good or bad sign. Um,
2: (laughs) 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 We're going to have to check back in after the fact and find out how you did. (laughs) I'm going to be curious now. Yeah when the when the quarantine hit for me I had 3 days before moved in with my girlfriend of 2 years. So I went from living alone for 8 years to being with my girlfriend for 2 days before we got locked down. Oh wow. wow. So it was a test. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was definitely a good test but just like you guys at the end of it all it turned out to be great not to be on my own i would have gone apeshit by now uh with this much time locked <laughs> sure. it would have just there's no way it would have turned out good <laughs> no way
1: <laughs> i so, feel like me and shannon kind of also had this team on a little test here now we've been like spending two months together literally 24 hours so now we can prove that our team can We can do anything now because we don't get tired of each other. We're
2: we're good. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and especially by the time you get to where you guys are, where you can, I'm sure, finish each other's sentences uh, on the ground, that's going to translate really well into the air.
0: Oh, I hope so.
2: Oh, there's no way. If you're doing yoga together and all this other stuff and the tunnel, oh, come on. No, you guys are going to be great. So- my mom
0: already calls her her second daughter, which offended my twin sister. For a second, we forgot she already had a second daughter. <laughs> so Louisa's part of the family now. So now- yeah, the
1: other day we went horse riding, and uh, Shannon sent her mom some video of her horse riding, and her mom was like, can you send me some videos of Luisa going horse riding?
0: <laughs> I was That's like, awesome. thanks, mom. You don't want to see your daughter anymore. Okay.
2: <laughs> so now, once the quarantine lifts, uh, Louisa, you go back to Copenhagen?
1: Yes. So I'm going to go back to Copenhagen in June. Okay. I was kind of, so I wasn't supposed to be here in Australia. The whole thing was that I was going to go for one week to Perth for some tunnel training in February, which mm. I did. And then to Bali for a yoga retreat. And then I was going to go home from Bali to Copenhagen. Mm. Um, but then my flight got canceled because of Corona and everything going on. So I made a quick decision of going back to Australia with Shannon, just so I wouldn't be stranded in Bali on my own. Right. Um, Made it to Australia, and that was. Then we actually got in isolation for two weeks because everyone that arrived to Australia had to isolate themselves. Right. That was by law. Um, and then I was going to go back to Copenhagen, but because of everything just going crazy, I realized I might as well stay in Australia, stay where I am, just freeze and
2: sure and do my
1: studies sure. from here, do my work from here, and then wait until everything kind of settled down a little bit. Um, well, so considering- yeah, now
2: I have a flight, but- considering how well uh, Australia has done in dealing with the virus, you made the right decision. You certainly did not want to be stuck in Indonesia. No. Uh, I love Bali to death, but I would not have wanted to be stranded in Bali during all of this. That would have been rough.
1: And that was exactly why I made a quick decision of getting to Australia because then I was like, I'm at least going to go to Australia and then I can take, take it from there sure. uh, and see how I'm going to get home from there.
2: So I assume um, with the team stuff, since you're based out of Copenhagen and you're in Australia, um, <laughs> it's fly to and meet up at different events and, and go that way.
0: Yeah. So mostly, um, I mean, I, so I do Europe summers. So um, generally the plan was for me to be there for this summer and then i um, Maybe part of this winter as well, you know, before everything went crazy, the plan was to to be there for a little bit while Louisa finished her thesis so we could train and then kind of start, um, you know, the real training once she finishes in January, then we could really both go um, full on into it. And so that's still kind of the plan for when she finishes in February, you know. and then, you know, maybe in the future, try and do um, Aussie events during summer here and Europe events during summer there. Nice. Um, and, some, and the seasons in between are generally the tunnel comps and stuff. So we should be able to somehow work it out so that we can cover everything anyway. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> kind of the <laughs> so best of bit, both
0: yes, be um,
2: <laughs> So now as, as things lighten up in Australia, is there any word of uh, uh, when the drop zones are going to open again in the tunnels?
0: Um, so some states have. I believe that um, Western Australia and Perth. I think they're jumping this weekend coming. Um, as of yet, I'm not sure when Queensland, which we're we're in the Gold Coast, I'm not. I haven't heard anything about when we're opening up. Um, but I, I assume it's not going to be too far away. You know, maybe a few weeks, um, and i will start doing loads and stuff again. Uh, but no, I haven't really followed it as, as far as I, I'm a bit more of an event jumper to be honest, um, and so. I'm not so much of a weekend jumper, so I haven't really followed it religiously to see when it's going to open up, but I'm sure I'll hear as soon as it does, you know, like, yeah. I mean, Shane's gear is in Melbourne right now, and we're in the Gold Coast. Yeah, (laughs) I I sent my gear back from Perth um, with a friend, so AK has my gear at the moment in Melbourne, and Melbourne's freezing in winter, so there's no way I'm jumping there when it opens up, so at some point I'll have to get my gear back and travel north to where it's endless summer in Australia. Right. I hear rumors of some lovely winter boogies that might be happening up in Cairns with some certain people here. So I'm holding up for news on that, and we'll go north as soon as I get confirmation.
2: <laughs> now, do you guys have any uh, confirmed competitions coming up that, uh, at least for now, are still on the books?
0: No, so they were canceled. So we were in the Australian Nationals, and they just got canceled a couple of days ago. So that was for September um, and we were planning to do the Polish Open again, which is normally around November, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that will be happening. And our kind of we kind of had this a uh, maybe goal of going to the win games next year, but that was really reliant on us doing our training time this year in Poland, which we're not going to have done. Sure. so that might push out to the year later. but that's definitely on our bucket list for competitions. We are really doing do everything we game.
1: can to train on the ground right now.
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, three, yeah. yoga three we times
2: a day.
1: We even said, like, we need to go to a mall and get, like, some dolls so we can start walking, uh, train the rounds here, all the speed rounds on, on the ground.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, there's not really any substitute. When you don't have tunnels and you can't jump, not really any way you can train properly.
0: Yeah, I did message my friends that we have it. We actually have a couple of tunnels closed, they're very small, they're 12 footers um, one in the Gold Coast, one in Brisbane. So, I did actually message the guys up in Brisbane and ask when they're reopening, and they said maybe in a few weeks' time. So, we may have to go and do some little tunnel training in the 12e for a bit, like get our fix. <laughs> I love nice. that.
2: Uh, I love that the twelve footers are kind of slumming it now.
0: Yeah, well, deal. Right? <laughs> I, know, I know It's so spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I started
2: flying in the uh, the Las Vegas tunnel in 1995, uh, and that's a DC three propeller uh, mounted in the floor uh, of this tunnel, and you have to wear a massive baggy suit to actually fly around the room. And it's a it's a. I don't blast. think they'll was
0: born, born <laughs> in bonehead. Yeah,
2: no, no, that that would be about the same as not having a tunnel basically
0: (laughs) yeah well the first one i was in was this little one in new zealand like an open air tunnel it's basically like the the wind is like a mushroom like kind of strong in the middle but then just peters off towards the outside yep. and it's so small that your feet and arms are outside of the air when you're flying in yep. it it's really fun but <laughs> so you definitely can't fly dynamic
2: <laughs> Yeah, no no I've, uh, I've, I've only flown in one outdoor one and then I think it was Switzerland used to have a really large outdoor one um, and the air column would actually get blown if there was a breeze so you could actually find yourself flying off the net uh, because oh, the wow. air column was curving with the wind Which just sounded like a fucking horrible idea to me.
0: There's some really cool outdoor ones now. I've Mm. seen videos and stuff. I think it's the um erodium or whatever. Um yeah, there's and I've seen you know um, some of our friends from Poland were like flying on skis in it and stuff like (laughs) silly stuff.
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) So um as hopefully as things start kicking back in and you guys get training and all that, have you guys got uh, a website, uh, Instagram, Facebook, or anything that people can follow you on and track what's going on?
1: Uh yeah, so we uh we just started an Instagram profile uh called Where the Wild Things Fly.
2: <laughs> awesome.
1: Uh, and it's kinda like it's for now it's there's a lot of yoga on it, a lot of acro yoga as well. Um yeah, so that's definitely where we want to share our journey to yeah, hopefully a competition one day in in the tunnel. Um but just like sharing the good vibe, sharing how it is to how we can be how how we're gonna do the training how we're going to get where we want to get. Um, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Now, do you guys do coaching and stuff as well?
0: Not in the tunnel. In the sky, I do a little bit here in Australia. Um, So I did a bunch of events with um, Mason Corby. He was one of my biggest um, coaches and inspirations here in Australia that has been teaching me for years. And he runs some really awesome camps here. Um, free fly camps called Down Under Dynamics so um, I coach for him sometimes now at his events there which is super fun I love doing that um, and some events in New Zealand and other small ones we both really want to get into doing more of um, more of the coaching side of things for sure in the sky awesome well, yeah it sounds, for, me, it, sounds for me, it sounds to me like, like I've f-
2: never... oh, please go ahead please <laughs>
1: uh, I've never really I've not done much coaching yet but it's something that I really want to get into like now I feel like I've been in the sport for 10 years and now I feel like I'm starting to get to a point where I want to give back a little bit and maybe help, um, yeah, help other girls get into the sport. And I feel like it's my time to give back to the sport. I've been, I've been given a lot and I want to give back. Well, and I, think, I, should get <laughs> uh,
2: I think being able to coach and to pass it on also fits in very much with uh, uh, your feel for the community of it. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. very much what skydiving is all about. Most of us only got where we are because someone was willing to help us out.
0: Absolutely. exactly. I think what I love about coaching is that some of my best friends right now in skydiving, I have a, a great little crew of, um, of guys that I call my older brothers and all of them I actually met at Down Under Dynamics, and they were my students um, for quite a few camps. And they progressed so much, you know, that they've been jumping hard, you know, at, at all the events, and they've progressed so much that now when we go to events, we're all in the same group. Mm. And um, and it's amazing, and there's been some really great relationships and friendships formed on that. And I just want more people to fly with. I want more people up in the top groups with us. And um, it's the best thing and the best feeling of when, um, when you've seen someone's journey like that, and then now you're able to just go – you know, fly
2: with them and they can fly circles around you. I think that's amazing. Sure. Oh, I used to I used to love being both a tandem instructor and an AFF instructor for what almost sounds like more selfish reasons. I loved seeing that light bulb moment that people would have uh, when they figured mm. it out, when it clicked, when they understood that they could do something and I'd get to kind of go... I did that and it was such a wonderful (laughs) feeling to know that you had passed it on to somebody else, you know, so um, it almost is a little bit selfish because I want that feeling for me that I've passed that on to them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think it's a win-win. I think that's a really nice thing all around and I think that's maybe why such good friendships are built out of that because you're both kind of feeling gratified by that. um, Oh, yeah. By that feeling of accomplishment.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one more time, what's the the Instagram page people are going to follow you on?
0: where wild things fly
2: where wild things fly louisa are you going to post your exam scores
0: <laughs> uh, it depends <laughs> if it just goes radio silent and you never hear from louisa again you know why <laughs> yeah yeah
2: fair enough fair enough well guys i really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to me i know you've got a spare amount of time right now but uh you got to fit me in through all the the yoga stuff so thank you so much for sitting down <laughs>
1: Thank you it's so been a much. pleasure. Thank you. You
2: it's guys take fun. care. We'll see you soon.
0: <laughs> you Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Sports. you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the extreme sports collective, head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. Buy Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the Podcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel. Pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.